When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, kinfolk? It's RJ Young. Welcome to the number one ranked show sponsored by DirecTV Stream. Thank you for watching on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitter, or listening wherever you get your podcast. And today, we are going to preview the national championship game for Monday. And it features Alabama versus Georgia, which means it also features the two most talented teams in the sport. And that's not me saying that. That is the 140 four- or five-star players that signed with Alabama. Like, I got to set this up for you, man. 74 of Alabama's 85 scholarship players are blue-chip recruits. That is to say four- or five-star players. 66 of Georgia's 85 scholarship players are four- or five-star recruits. You see what I'm saying here? It's just bonkers. And while Saban signing 74 blue-chip recruits is impressive, the 66 at Georgia is more impressive to me. And let me tell you why. Alabama has built this roster basically on the strength of winning six national championships since 2009, but also on the strength of who they are putting in the NFL and how they are doing it with regularity. Check this out. A list of first-round picks by school since 2008 were the first year that Nick Saban could have put an Alabama player into the NFL draft. And look, at number one, by a landslide, it is Alabama with 39 first-round picks. That is the most by any coach at a single school and tied you know, with Joe Paterno at 33 before having six first-rounders in the 2021 draft, right? So Joe Pa at 33 there, but then Ohio State at 22, and we understand what it looks like over there. Chris Olave, right? Garrett Wilson, those guys are going to probably be first-round draft picks, and Jackson Smith and Jigba might be a top-five Heisman candidate if he isn't already for 2022. LSU with 18 first-round picks. You know what it is over there. Florida, my goodness, the Urban Meyer years still barking at us. 18 first-round picks there to say nothing of Steve Spurrier and what he was able to do. And then USC, which traditionally has been a blue-blood and a power with 16 first-round picks, probably going to push that number even farther into the air with Lincoln Riley as a new head coach. But you'll see who's absent of this list. The University of Georgia, right? Like, that's bonkers to me. Kirby Smart has cranked up Georgia to a point where, on paper, they are more talented than Ohio State, than LSU, than Clemson. <laughs> and yet... Hasn't won a national championship since 1980 and hasn't beaten Alabama since 2007. But you know, because there are both sides or both sides of the ball have studs on them, I wanted to take a look at the SEC title game to see what we see, right? And to give you some analysis, play a little quarterback out here. And there are a couple of ways that I want to go about this, but I want to start with Georgia and walk through some matchups that I think that they can win and have to win, quite frankly, on both sides of the ball to win the national championship on January 10th. And the first one 
is, quite frankly, this simple. Get your jimmies against Alabama's Joes in the secondary, right? Because you can see right here now, George Pickens is a freak show, and they get him back off the injury. And you saw what he was able to do in the SEC title game. Down at the bottom of the screen, you'll see a one-on-one -on -one matchup with the five-star, George Pickens, on the five-star, Jaquincy McKinstry. But the reason that they are able to get this one-on-one -on -one matchup is because previous in the drive, they've been using James Cook to great effect to run between the tackles and to make that Alabama front seven, and quite frankly, one of the safeties, respect his ability to run the football, while also Stetson Bennett has been able to complete passes on both sides of the field. So, yeah, looking for a matchup you can win, you say, hey, look, I got a five-star, you got a five-star, but I trust my junior wide receiver more than I trust your true freshman corner. And George Pickens is streaking downfield when Stetson Bennett says, hey, look, I'm going to throw it up to you, big fella. Go make a play. And that's what the freak show does. That is what happens when you are just more talented than the guy you're playing against or have more experience or, in this case, both, right? You're able to go and make a play on the ball against an opponent that just hasn't been here before. UGA is able to go play action. Alabama has to respect that. Alabama bites, and yet you can't get Jordan Battle over the top to get a lid on that play. George Pickens makes a play. Remember, in the 2019 Sugar Bowl, he had 12 catches for 175 yards, and, or I should say the 2020 Sugar Bowl for the 2019 season. I say let that man work for you against Alabama and their secondary. We saw Leonard Taylor have success against Jaquincy McKinstry in the Cotton Bowl, though no touchdown passes were thrown by Desmond Ritter, but you could see he had beat him up, and I think they're going to try to identify where McKinstry is on the field with the loss of Josh Job and try to go at him as much as they can. It worked for him in the SEC title game. It worked for Cincinnati in the Cotton Bowl. It ought to work for Georgia in the national championship. Next play I want to take a look at is really just outstanding play design by one Todd Munkin. Now, look, you've got three wide receivers at the top, right, and you've got Two at the bottom. We've gone empty here because we've been able to flex James Cook, who was in the running back spot, out onto the numbers and force an Alabama safety down over the top of number 84, Lad McConkey. And McConkey is in the middle of that trips formation right there. Little tunnel screen. He says, hey, RJ, I might not be the highest rated recruit, but I could take that ball and watch what I do with it. And you got a jailbreak screen here. You got your big, strong offensive lineman out in front. You got wide receivers that are putting a hat on a hat. And it's drawn up in such a way that Todd Munkin knew that they were going to get this look. And as soon as you can get a safety to commit to showing you what the defensive coverage's hand looks like, Stetson Bennett ought to be able to pick that apart. You got to be able to get more of those actions pre-snap into what you're doing if you're Georgia. Because if you get to give Stetson Bennett a full picture of what is likely to happen post-snap, you're going to win more than you lose. And it's really about watching those wheels that are the safeties, okay? If you got a safety that is dropping down and you got a safety that is moving up, a single high. That means you got man on the outside, and you just got to say, hey, look, my player's got to be better than your players in some spots. And this is one in which not only was a player better than a spot, but you just had great execution on great play design and a great play call by Todd Munkin. Alabama DBs playing off cushion, giving coverage. You let Lad McConkey catch that ball. You let him get ahead of steam. And he says, hey, RJ, watch what I do with this. All right. I want to take a look at Georgia on the defensive side now. Because we all remember Bryce Young went for 421 against this vaunted Georgia defense. But you also get to see where the strength is 
of this Georgia defense and quite frankly where the weakness is. So we're going to get to the weakness here in a bit, but the strength has to be a strength. Number one on your list if you're the Georgia defense is get Bryce Young on the ground. Do not let that man do his Houdini thing, make like Neo in the Matrix and just avoid you. There were three plays in the first half where Georgia had Young dead to rights and they missed him all three times. You want to be Georgia for the first time in 15 years, or excuse me, you want to be Alabama for the first time in 15 years, you're going to have to put Bryce Young on the ground. So in this play, second quarter, 7.37 left on the clock. You see UGA at the line showing blitz. There's seven men inside of that box. There are five on the defensive line. It doesn't matter that Bryce Young has identified this because this is the front in which Georgia's bringing more guys than you can block, okay? So when the play goes, you'll see stunts at the line of scrimmage. You'll see twists. Simulated pressures is what we're going to talk about here in a little bit. But in this play, you saw N'Kobe Dean come off of the stunt in the middle, in the A-gap, and get right next to Bryce Young. Can't put his hands on him. Bryce Young does what a Heisman winner is supposed to do. He makes a play as he is falling down to Jaleel Billingsley. Picks up the first down. If Dean puts Young on the ground there, it's fourth and long. That was third down. And UGA has a chance to not just get the ball back, but perhaps block a punt near the Bama end zone, maybe return it for a score. That flips the game for you, right? It's not only just because... Bryce Young is able to keep that play going, and that series really pays off for them in the end. It's that Georgia had an opportunity to not just get off the field, but get the ball in plus field position. Now, let's take a look at another one. Second quarter, 341 left. This is the same drive as the previous play. It's third and one. Georgia's defense coordinator, Dan Lanning, has dialed up pressure again, although here, you're not really sure where it's coming from because they got five guys in the box. They got five on the line of scrimmage here, Okay. So when the play runs, one of the things that I'm looking at is just whether or not Georgia wants to bite on the sweep. Because as this play is going, you'll see Georgia just doesn't respect what Bryce Young is doing here on the fake. And in particular, N'Kobe Dean has sniffed it out right away, and he's chasing Bryce Young down. He just can't get there in time. You have to be able to get there. You are the best linebacker on what is the best defense in football. You have to be the guy to make that play. If they make that play, you get the ball back, right? Or at the very least, you're able to hold them to a field goal. Later in the second half, Devontae Wyatt managed to strip Bryce Young, but UGA can't recover the fumble. This is also a play in which John Mechie is hurt on. Instead, Young takes off on that same series running again, and he scores on you to put Alabama up again. These are stops you got to have if you're the Georgia defense, right? These are things that quite literally are hustle plays. Can you get there, and can you put your hands on him, and can you put, your, uh, put that player on the ground? All right, now let's take a look at what Alabama needs to do. The first thing that Alabama needs to do, particularly on offense, is identify the fourth rusher. You heard me talk about simulated pressures. These are fire zones. These are rushing linebackers and safeties that simulate pressure like you're bringing more than four, right? You're bringing more than the four players on the line of scrimmage. And when you're bringing those four, you're bringing them from odd places, right? To try to confuse the offensive line and to change up their blocking assignments and really to catch them on the wrong foot. Alabama has got to identify that fourth guy and pick him up quick, fast, and in a hurry. So when I take a look at one of these plays, this one in the second quarter, 14-27 left to play, it's third and two, and you can do anything you want here if you are Alabama, you got options on third and two. The pre-snap pictures, two high safeties, right? But you can see one already creeping down. 
It's a six-man box. That's something that you ought to be able to pass against if you want to, right? To say nothing of being able to run against it. The offensive line and Young expect UGA to bring at least four on every play, all right? So, again, identify that fourth guy and pick him up. When the play goes, you'll see Young senses the danger. He moves over Brian Robinson, and up comes six foot two, 230-pound Channing Tindall as the fourth rusher, and there goes Brian Robinson to absolutely stand that dude up, lowers the boom with the Kamehameha to just knock him back. Meanwhile, you got safety Christopher Smith, bails at the top, Jamison Williams is well underneath him, and then it's just, you know, Jamison Williams is a freak show. We'll talk about that here in just a second. He says, see you on a post route, and he keeps going all the way out there. This, this is great recognition by the offensive line, great recognition by Brian Robinson, and then Bryce Young just sees a Jamison Williams streaking across the middle on that post route, and that's six there. That's gorgeous. That's beautiful. But you got to be able to identify that fourth rusher every series, every play, to give him that kind of clean pocket to make, make plays, all right? Next thing that Alabama has to do is force UGA to show its hand and into man coverage with the running back in motion. I love this play. This is first quarter with 6.01 left, right? So you'll see down at the bottom of the screen here, right, you have John Mechie lined up one-on-one with a corner, okay? This is, this, is pure, this is beautiful because you had Trey Sanders out in the slot, and all Bryce Young did was move him back to the running back spot to make Alabama sh- or Alabama to make Georgia show what they're going to do here. So when the play goes, you'll see for Bryce Young, this is easy, right? I got one-on-one matchup with John Mechie on the outside. I'm just going to throw it to that guy and say, we're going to beat you every single time you get us man coverage. And that pays dividends for Alabama all game long with that running back motion. This is really uh, impressive for me, okay? This happens again. Second quarter, 12.35 left to play. Okay? Look at this pre-stat picture. Okay, we, this is, this is, you can see the ball's just been snapped, but before this, Christian Leary was in the backfield as a running back. Christian Leary's a tailback, or uh, playing a tailback in this game. He's a wide receiver. So if you're Georgia, identify that right away. But even so, when Bryce Young flexes Christian Leary out to the numbers, that forced a safety down over the top of John Mechie inside the numbers. So you know what you have. You know what you're looking at. And then it's just, hey, look, I expect John Mechie to beat a safety every single time. That's a dude that's not used to playing corner. He's not used to locking up man-to-man. And then it's just, hey, look, I'm going to throw it up to my guy and say, go make a play. Now, I think somebody got crossed up here, but even so, Leary was able to back off of his route to let John Mechie go make a play on this. But the reason that this play was even able to be made is because Young was able to flex Christian Leary out of the running back position to make Georgia show its hand, to show you the matchup that you want to exploit with the safety over the top of John Mechie, and you make a play. Now, the reason I put this play in the show, quite honestly, is I think this play works against Georgia every single time, whether John Mechie's on the field or not. I understand He's hurt, and he's not playing. But you do have DeCoy Brooks. You do have Sean Holden. You have talented wide receivers that can make that play against the safety and, quite honestly, ought to every single time. DeCoy Brooks did this in the Cotton Bowl against Cincinnati. They didn't want to go at Kobe Bryant. They didn't want to go at Sauce Gardner. They went at a three-star recruit, my man Arshon. No disrespect to Arshon, but that was a five-star wide receiver who just outran you on a go route. 
If you're going to give Alabama one-on-one with these really, really talented wide receivers, you're going to slit your own throat, right? You just don't want to do that. So whenever you can, try to cloud this picture. But when Bryce Young has you, he has you, all right? Now, the next play that I want to look at is another Jimmys and Joes, right? This is Alabama style because Jameson Williams is a freak show. This is third quarter, 13-21 left. It's second and five. Alabama's up 24-17 near midfield. At the bottom of the screen, you see Jamison Williams, okay? He's lined up on Keely Ringo. Now, Jamison Williams is a four-star coming out of high school. Keely Ringo is a five-star coming out of high school. Argy, you told me stars matter. Coaching matters too. If they're close in proximity when we're talking about talent, hey, did I coach you right and did we get you in a matchup and how much experience do you have? Jamison Williams has been playing a lot of football and been the best wide receiver at Alabama all year to say nothing of what he was doing at Ohio State. Keely Ringo is one of four. Brand new starters in the Georgia secondary this year. Remember, they had their whole secondary get drafted last year. That's the weakness for the Georgia defense. They're not very strong on the back end. And you know Darion Kendrick's on the other side, and you know that you're not likely to want to test him. Darion Kendrick had two interceptions against Michigan in the Orange Bowl. So when you see number five on the field, and you can get your number one wide up on him, you're going to take advantage of that every single time. And then that's just a Heisman winner tossing up a bomb to a streaking freak show of speed in Jamison Williams. Hey, that's five-star to five-star. There's not a whole hell of a lot you can do about that because when you got a cannon like that and you are accurate like that and you have a guy that is imitating the flash on his Barry Gordon, look at this, just flying by him. Look, Oh, the stop and start. I love that. That's gorgeous. That's not just play design. That is also knowing what your talent is capable of because Bill O'Brien gets you in a spot. He says, Jamison Williams, I think you can beat Keely Ringo. I like you in that matchup one-on-one. Bryce Young, I think you can make that play, throwing that 55-yard bomb on a dime, and I think we can win football games playing that way. This is gorgeous football to me. This is what I'm watching when I watch a football game. Where are my matchups? What are my safeties doing? What did we do pre-snap to try to give my quarterback a better picture of what is going on with the defense? And then it's execution, right? And the reason that Bryce Young is a Heisman winner is because when the play is over, or when the play seems like it's done, he's Houdini and out of the pocket. N'Kobe Dean's got to get hands on him, but when he, if he doesn't, Bryce Young's going to take advantage of you, and that's just going to be what it is. Really, really outstanding stuff for Georgia and Alabama. I'm excited to see how this plays out in the national championship game at Lucas Oil on Monday. Now, I want to talk a little bit about opt-outs and the bowl system. I'm going to start with this. As bad as the CFP semis were, every star player on all four teams played in them. Why? Because they still had a road to play for the national championship. Now, let's not get it twisted. No other games mattered. Period. I don't care what you think about the granddaddy of them all. I don't care what you think about the Sugar Bowl. I don't care what you think about the Music City Bowl, which was awesome. I don't think you would care what you think about the Peach Bowl, which was awesome. They didn't matter because the college football playoff system and the sheer number of bowls makes them all but irrelevant to a player who is more interested in protecting the most valuable commodity he has, his body, so that he is in the best shape possible medically, if not physically, to perform. For the NFL draft, all right? We saw in the Sugar Bowl, perhaps the best quarterback available in the 2022 draft, Matt Corral, go down with an apparent ankle injury. Turned out 
it looked worse than it was, and he's going to be okay. But what if it wasn't? Jalen Smith had this at Notre Dame. His knee exploded. He fell on the draft before it, uh, because of it. And then later, my Dallas Cowboys cut him. Right? That's just what it is. A lot of that has to do with him getting hurt in one game that doesn't matter. So Matt Corral wanted to play in the Sugar Bowl. Let's not get that twisted. He never thought about opting out, and that's to his credit because he wanted to do what he wanted to do. And perhaps if he plays, it's not 21-7 Baylor, and they don't lose. But even if he does, what does he gain from that? Not a whole hell of a lot, except intrinsically he feels great about it. Ole Miss fans feel great about it, and they gave him a loud applause when he walked back out there on crutches. But he was still on crutches, which is kind of my point here. All right? So when we look at the Matt Corrals of the world, we have to also look at the Kenny Picketts of the world, the Kenneth Walker the thirds of the world, the Kyron Williams of the world, the Kyle Hamiltons of the world. I can keep going, right? There's a number of players who are stars at their respective schools who chose not to play in these bowl games in preparation for the NFL draft. So we've had a bunch of people say, Look, this generation of player doesn't care about bowl games. They don't care about anything but playing for the national championship and getting to the NFL. You said that like it's a bad thing. You said that like it's not the commonality. You said that like it is not the world they live in. Because in the 90s, when a lot of the old heads were still playing football, number one, we didn't play as many games. We started playing 12 games in 2006. This is why you're seeing a lot of teams that have 12 win seasons for the first time in their school histories because it used to be you had to be undefeated and win a national championship to go 12-0. and It's not so anymore. Now you go 15-0, and okay? The other aspect of this is there are more bowl games than there have ever been. There are 41 bowl games, and I'm not the person to say that there are too many bowl games. I am going to say it's not going to mean a whole hell of a lot to a player that he gets to play in the bowl game if he knows that Rutgers gets in with a 5-7 and record on an APR score. All right? It just doesn't mean that much. Bowl gifts aren't going to do it anymore because there are more bowls. It's not a prize. That's not what you play the game for. You play the game for an opportunity to win championships and to play in the NFL. If you can still guarantee you those things, Alabama, Georgia, you're probably going to be okay. But let's not get it twisted. The reason that players are at Georgia and Alabama is so they can get to the NFL. It's not to win championships. It's never really been about winning championships for about 25 years, okay? But if you want to make these bowls matter, the thing is not to limit the number of bowls. The thing to do is to expand the college football playoff system within the bowl system. You know me. I'm here for the 16-team playoff. What's being bandied about lately is the 12-team playoff. Fine! The Peach Bowl would have been an outstanding quarterfinal. And it would have been better if I got to see Kenny Pickett at quarterback for Pitt. Kenneth Walker the third, tailback, Michigan State. The Rose Bowl was exceptional. Best Rose Bowl I've seen because I don't count Oklahoma and Georgia as the best Rose Bowl I've seen because I'm petty like that. But even so, I would have much rather seen Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson play alongside Jackson Smith and Jigba in a game against Utah's best for an opportunity to continue playing for a national championship, then just watch Jackson Smith and Jigba go for 347 receiving yards to set an all-time bowl record because it's cool. I had fun watching it. I talked about it right here on the show, but it ain't matter. Not really. 
He got to win a bowl game. Good for you. Jackson Smith and Jigba's got to come and do it again next year. Whereas Chris Olave and Gary Wilson, they're going to be playing in the NFL. Probably first-round picks. Probably the first first-round picks at Ohio State at wide receiver since 2007. I think we can also continue to point to the FCS as a reason for why not just expanding the playoff is a good thing, but playing too many games is just an asinine argument. The FCS plays 11 regular season games. Bet you didn't know that. I bet you also didn't know that with a 24-team playoff, the most that any team would play is 16 games in a season. Sit. The two teams playing in the national championship game on Monday, Alabama and Georgia, will be playing in their 15th game of the season. So miss me with this argument about playing too many games. The sanctity of the regular season? Oh yeah, right. Because Georgia's beating up on Charleston Southern really meant a lot to us. Really swayed our opinion about whether or not Georgia's a good football team. Right? I'm the dude that's paying the pay-per-view price for Western Carolina to get just destroyed by Oklahoma because I'm that type. Maybe you're that type. But I'm not so Pollyanna-ish to say that that game matters. It doesn't. What's even more asinine is that game goes toward your bowl tally. Right? You can beat up an FCS team to get to six wins, and then they will put you in a bowl game because we've just got that many to fill out. No, you want it to matter. You have to make it matter to more players. It's not incumbent upon them in a multi-billion dollar sport to satisfy your whims. Okay? The NFL pays its players. College football, barters and scholarship. Pay, scholarship. You would pick pay over scholarship. Why do you expect them to do the same, not to do the same thing? All right? The other part about this that I find really fascinating is that it's there for us. It's been there for us. The FCS has had a 16, uh, 16 excuse me, 2014 playoff and 16 games played, 15 for good teams, for years. It hasn't messed up their system. It hasn't stopped North Dakota State from winning eight national championships dating back to 2010, right? If it's still going to be Alabama at the end, so be it. But you and I would get better football. We get games that are awesome and not just matter and are awesome, but where we would get to see our favorite players play in a sport where we're only guaranteed to see these kids play for four seasons. They got five years to play, but four seasons for us, and that's if they decide to stay out of their good graces because it's three years for the really great ones because the NFL is paying them good money to be players in their league. You can change it if you want to. Either you're a traditionalist and you're old-fashioned about this and you are slowly watching the game die, or you're like me and you're just following what is, quite frankly, American. Unions, fair pay, equal opportunities, the opportunity to play for championships also leads to more money, better games, and a better fan experience for you and I. And we will be doing an instant reaction show following the college football playoff national championship right here on the number one ranked show on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, wherever it is that you are able to watch the live broadcast. That is going to do it for me. Thank you to our sponsor, DirecTV Stream. Our intrepid producer is Katherine Donnelly. Our director is John Marcus. That is Tyler Wojak helping with all things related to this show. Javion Duncan is our social media manager. And I am the host, RJ Young. This has been my first season at Fox. I'm 
grateful for this season at Fox. If you see me, pinch me, I'm doing my dream job. That's it for me. Deuces.